talking more on a conceptual level about marketing and storytelling is great. And we do a lot of that on this podcast. But if you're the type of person that's like, John, let's just cut to the chase, bruh. If you're that type of person and your social media presence isn't what you wish it were, maybe you wish you were seeing more measurable results, you're going to want to stick around for this episode. I say that as if there would be an episode where I'd be like, eh, you should probably skip this one. But seriously, this is a good one. A lot of practical stuff in here. Hey, welcome to the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping higher ed marketers tell better stories, create better content, and enroll more students. My name is John Azzoni. I'm the founder at Unveiled, a video production company working specifically with colleges and universities on automating their video storytelling content through a subscription approach. You can learn more at unveiled.tv. That's U-N-V-E-I-L-D. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, go ahead and subscribe. And if you've been listening for a while now and haven't left a review, I'd love for you to break the seal and do that. My guest today is Hannah Acosta. Hannah is the passionate and purposeful leader of the social media department at Ugly Mug Marketing. Over the past four years, Hannah has grown her department by 340% and has worked alongside hundreds of small business owners and entrepreneurs as they navigate the ever-changing digital marketing landscape. And she's worked with a lot of colleges and college admissions teams to help them build predictable marketing systems and content that consistently delivers results. And this was certainly one of the most positive joy-filled conversations I've had in a long time. And while Hannah specializes kind of a lot in Facebook and Instagram paid advertising, we also get into a lot of specific organic tactics for success, specifically on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, And so you might be surprised about her opinions here on algorithms. I'll just say that. All right. So here's my conversation with Hannah Acosta of Ugly Mug Marketing. Hannah Acosta, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. So tell me a little bit about who you are, what you do. Yeah, so I work as a social media manager at Ugly Mug Marketing. Uh, Not only do I manage accounts, but I also um, oversee the department. So I have three coordinators uh, that report to me right now, and it has been a blast. I've been here for five years. Um, Previous to my time at Ugly Mug Marketing, I was working in the nonprofit space. Um, And then prior to that, I was working in a college admissions office, (laughs) which is kind of fun and makes me hopefully a good guest for today to be able to provide some insight um, from that perspective as well. So um, the journey to this point has been a lot of people taking chances on me and giving opportunities to learn and grow, obviously going from admissions to social media department manager (laughs) seems like a little bit of a jump um, in terms of career and industry a little bit, but it's been a really fun ride. Um, And now in this role, I have the opportunity to work with colleges um, at the community college level and a lot of smaller um, universities in order to help them develop marketing strategies to increase applicants, increase admission rates. um, And it's it's a lot of fun. Cool. How did you get from it? Tell me about getting from admissions into social media. Were you doing social media in the admissions department or? Yeah. So when I was in admissions, I started in admissions when I was a student. So I was a student ambassador at Aquinas College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Go Saints. Absolutely loved it. Like the tours ate it up. The alumni events just 
Like I loved being a, in that environment. Also, part of our responsibilities was being on the calling team, which some student ambassadors didn't love so much. But if you're someone who's outgoing and doesn't mind talking to a stranger and just keep letting the phone ring until somebody answers and we'll talk to you, um, that was something that I actually feel like I really thrived in. And so after um, my student ambassador time, like in between, um, I got asked to be the summer ambassador. So I gave over a hundred campus tours, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, had my own calling list that I was responsible for managing and, um, getting connected with those students and hopefully kind of getting them to apply or schedule a campus visit. Uh, but then also during that time, I had been nominated. I was in the business program at Aquinas and I had been nominated to participate in what's called a creative marketing challenge um, with the Van Andel Institute, which is a cancer and Parkinson's uh, research facility in Grand Rapids. And so when they invited me to be a part of that, I got connected with their vice president of marketing and development and um, also actually began an internship with them. And it was in that role where I started doing more event planning, more marketing focused efforts um, and really helped them develop their social media um, along with some other interns so that we just had a little bit more of a presence. So instead of someone hosting a cancer awareness game benefiting Susan G. Komen or a bigger organization like that, um, we wanted them to support locally at the Van Andel Institute. So that was kind of that transition of like, hey, I'm really good at talking to people um, and making those connections into that nonprofit role um, and being able to grow a little bit more into social media specifically. So when you help a college uh, develop, you so Ugly Mug, you talk about predictable marketing systems. Like, what is predictable? Yeah. What is a predictable marketing system to you? How do you help colleges develop that? Yeah, so everything starts with an objective. So when someone comes to work with us, specifically when a college comes to work with us, we identify what is your main objective or, and, or what is your goal? Are y'all trying to use social media to increase applicants by X percent? If so, where are you currently now? What percentage of your applications are coming directly from social? Is that something that you're tracking? You know, how are, how are you getting connected? So we're more so diving into what is currently happening. What we find more often than not is they can't necessarily tie it back to social. And so that is really important in my role because I want to be able to prove hey, you know, you're paying me X amount of, you know, hundreds or yeah. maybe thousands of dollars a month in order to produce. What is it that we're trying to produce? And how can I, what's the measuring stick going to be? How can I actually prove that to you? So when we talk about predictable marketing systems, a lot of that comes around lead generation. So one of the colleges that we work with is called Central Louisiana Technical Community College. They have 10 campuses across the Central Louisiana region. And we work with them in their general education courses, but we also help them with their adult education courses. So depending on what we're working with, we determine what platform we're going to focus on. So usually our adult ed students that we're after, people who may already be in the workforce, um, people who are graduating high school, but, um, or have not completed their high school uh, degree, but want to go on and do uh, receive their high set diploma, um, which is essentially the equivalent of a GED. Um, and so 
it's like, okay, where are these people hanging out? We have to be really intentional about yeah. what platforms we're, we're having a presence on. And we also have to think about geographically where we located, <laughs> um, yeah. because that plays a, a factor too on what platforms they may be on. And then from there we say, okay, with uh, Central Louisiana Technical Community College, I'm going to call them CLTCC for the sake cool. of myself on the rest <laughs> of this episode. Uh, but CLTCC, their goal is um, they want leads. They want um, first name, last name, phone number, email address for people who are interested in the program and then their admissions representatives take it from there. And those next steps could be as simple as a phone call, giving someone more information or actually getting that person um, a, a link to the application emailed to them and then beginning that relationship. Um, so it's all about leads for us. So when we're promoting a specific program, typically on Facebook and on Instagram, we'll use the lead generation form feature. That's for like when you're doing paid campaigns, right? Yes. Okay. These are paid. Yes. Paid campaigns. So it allows us to capture that key information of you know, all of their contact information. Um, we also ask on there what parish um, or county for those who are outside of Louisiana, parishes are the equivalent of counties. So we ask what parish uh, they live in. And then from there, it goes to the admissions representative who helps in that specific parish or that campus. And this then automatically using Zapier, which is one of my favorite marketing automation business tools in the entire world. If you're not using Zapier, you probably can be using it in some way, shape or form to automate some system or process um, mm -hmm. within your organization. And so we utilize Zapier to then take that paid lead from Facebook and then add it into a spreadsheet or also add it into uh, potentially a, another email marketing system or what other whatever other tools they might be utilizing as a part of their outreach uh, strategy. And so from there, it's in their hands, but we get the credit. We can prove that that person came from Facebook or came from Instagram. We can prove what campaign specifically it came from. I can show them, hey, it came from this version of the campaign that had the graphic with a group of students versus just a classroom yeah. with the back of people's heads. And um, so we can look at some of those metrics and we can make better decisions. And so that enables the predictability in the future, right? Because we can say, hey, over this last month, we've learned this is the ad or this is the copy or this is the call to action that's performed the best. I love a good split test. We have another mm -hmm. Hannah in my office who we call her the split test queen because she's constantly, she's like, oh, we could split test that. <laughs> um, but we love doing a good split test to analyze because students in different areas or different parishes in this example um, or students who are the general, going general education route versus the um, GED or high set program route, they might have different things that draw them too. And we want to yeah. be able to better understand that as well. And so really making sure we're speaking to those individuals uh, is key when we're putting the ad together itself, but the copywriting, not only the image, but the copy as well. So once we build out those systems, it becomes really easy for us to duplicate those with other programs. So if we've done this for CLTCC, for the nursing program, it's pretty easy for us to go back and replicate that for 
their um, manufacturing program right. or to go back and replicate that in some way, shape or form for the high set program. And it's nice on the admissions representative side too, because they know what to expect. They're like, hey, these leads are going to come in daily. They can get into um, a routine of when they check in, how often they follow up and build out systems around that on their end too. So um, goals and objectives, <laughs> setting up automations, building out uh, content that's relevant to that audience. Um, and then of course, automating that. So it makes it really seamless on our end as the marketer, but also on the school's end as well. Cool. That's awesome. Sorry. That was a very long winded answer. <laughs> no, great. Packed with stuff. Zapier. I, uh, you mentioned Zapier. I, I, I keep like kind of dipping my toes into those waters and I, I'm like, ah, it's too complicated. I still, I'm like really big on automation, but I haven't gotten into Zapier yet. So I'm interested, I'm, I'm interested to now that I hear you, uh, praising it, I, I must be missing something. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. We use it, we use it a lot for lead generation stuff just cause it can speak to so many things, especially like in this example, if you don't have some sort of automation connection to a spreadsheet or to your CRM or whatever it may be, um, you're manually having to go and download those leads every time they come in. And so I'm like, yeah. that can be really time consuming. So anytime we can cut out busy work on our end or our client's end, we're like, surely Zapier can do this yeah. for us. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It's like the butler. <laughs> Zapier the butler. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Um, so what, what issues do you see colleges struggle with when it comes to social media? Like when you first start working with them, what's kind of a pattern where you're, you're, you're kind of addressing the same types of things over and over with different schools? Yeah. Number one is <laughs> like the overall messaging seems to be slightly off. Um, Colleges love to talk about their accolades and how they're the best program for this or they're the best value or they're on this list. And sometimes those matter, right? Especially for larger colleges and universities. Um, and in those instances, those are always known, right? Everyone knows UNC's MBA program is phenomenal and people want to be a part of that. Um, so for smaller colleges and universities, like they really focus on the, that U.S. Uh, US uh, Today uh, top 50 best colleges yeah. for value. And sometimes, again, those can be interesting. But I think what makes a smaller college and university um, even more appealing is the student experience. And so how can we incorporate or involve our current students in our marketing strategy? Can we... Um, have a day in the life video where we follow around a student athlete for a day and show what their daily schedule is like, um, going to class, going to practice, having an away game that day. You know, there are different perspectives that we can show that gives students and families, because we know it's not just a student making this decision on their own, it's their parents or their siblings that are also influencing them or their friends, how can we give them a really good full picture view of what it means to go to Aquinas College or to go to um, LSU at Alexandria, <laughs> for example, that's another college that we've worked with. You know, how can we give them a little bit more of, of that inside look? And sometimes colleges are just missing that. When we started working with LSUA, for example, 
Um, we wanted to increase traffic to the application page, and we specifically wanted to target students who are in that junior and senior year of high school. Um, and so we said, okay, well, let's try and find students who live in the parishes that we want to generate more students from, and let's have them do a quick little selfie, very candid video. We can put some fun um, text on it, um, make sure that they recognize that, hey, this is Allison. She's from Evangeline Parish, um, just like where you live, where the ad is going to be running. And let's run that in stories or let's create a reel with Allison. And then let's run that as an ad specifically in that parish. How can we, you know, we want to show that other students who quote unquote look like you, and it doesn't have to be they physically look like you. It's another girl who, for me, is Hispanic and is five foot four and also plays soccer. You know, for me, it didn't need to be that. But someone that I can actually relate to, someone who's from my same hometown that also goes to this school. Sometimes that can just make a student feel more comfortable or can kind of intrigue them um, and pique their curiosity. So that's one thing that I feel like is kind of lacking or missing is just that overall messaging and including and specifically messaging from our current students. Like how can we utilize yeah. them and incorporate them in our marketing strategy? Because sometimes they're our biggest asset, <laughs> right? Sure. As colleges, like you get some, you get some phenomenal people and it's like, can we include them? Can we tell a little bit more of their story? Um, so that, that's one thing. And then I think, you know, big picture wise, making that connection of like, this person came to our website <laughs> and yeah. applied because they saw X, Y, or Z on social media or because they were on Instagram or because they were on TikTok. Like being able to have that, being able to measure it because especially in smaller colleges, like budget is tight, right? We're, yeah. <laughs> we don't have all of the, the major um, funds that were even capacity to be able to produce high quality videos, video work as a school like Duke or UNC or NC State here in Raleigh might have. Um, and so we have to we have to think about, okay, how can we get creative with our resources? Um, and, and some colleges, they're like, oh, well, if we want to run ads, we have to have like $10,000 a month to run an ad. And that's simply not true. You can run an ad for a fairly healthy campaign targeting, you know, a 50 mile radius for like a hundred dollars a month. <laughs> oh, really? um, it is, okay. it is possible. So yeah, you don't have to have a massive budget. Of course, the more you pay, the more you can play, which means you can reach more people <laughs> or generate more leads with a larger budget. Um, but you can start off small with as, as little as a hundred dollars a month, just to dip your toes in the water, um, and see what kind of results you can get from there and then scale. And I always recommend that the scaling method, because if you throw a thousand dollars at Facebook, they're a hundred percent going to spend all 1000 of your dollars. Okay. Yeah. They have, they're, they're not looking out for you and your best interest. They just want your money. So it's like, well, can I give them $200 for a couple of weeks and see how that goes? And then if it goes well, then add another hundred dollars and then another hundred dollars after that and keep extending it. Um, it's possible to do it that way too. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. And, and yeah, for, for what I know about paid advertising is, um, it's not, 
it's not so much that like you can't have results with a small budget, but it's just that they'll happen slower because you're just reaching less people. So it's like testing the messaging. Yeah. You have to kind of wait a little longer to get the right amount of data and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Do you guys do, uh, do you guys do much? Do you, do you work with colleges much on, on their organic strategy or is it mostly paid? It's mostly paid. Um, but my philosophy whether it's a college university or a business, um, is often quite the same. Um, it, it's to be consistent. Um, yeah. and it's to actually go and look at the data and consider who you're trying to reach and where those people are hanging out, as I like to say, so sure. that you can maximize your resources and your resources might not be financial. It might be your time <laughs> or right. your bandwidth of your staff, right? We don't have to be on LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram. If you can't keep up with all of those, it doesn't look good to be on all of them, right? right? Nobody wants to go to your college's Twitter page and see the last time you tweeted was 2016. <laughs> and it's 2023, right? right? You want to be able to keep up and be consistent. And so setting some realistic goals around how often you're posting and when you're posting can be really helpful. One of my first go-to things with organic content is creating some different content categories because sometimes colleges are like, there are umpteen million different things that we could be posting about. We could be posting 17 times a day or just once a day for five days yeah. <laughs> um, every week. And so make that decision again, based on staffing and bandwidth and ability to get, to get the content. Um, to be able to have new photos or have new videos. For some businesses or organizations or colleges, it may only be realistic to post Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and that's okay. Let's start with that goal. Then let's say, what are our different categories going to be? Maybe on Mondays, we spotlight a different um, club or organization um, that our students are active in. And then maybe on Wednesdays, we highlight a specific professor or a specific program that we're really excelling in or that students are really loving. Um, so maybe that's Wednesday. And then maybe on Friday, um, we spotlight a different internship opportunity or business that we're partnering with or an upcoming event um, that our students are really excited about. Um, and, and then from there, it's like, all right, so for this month, if I'm only posted on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I just need four posts of uh, spotlighting different programs. I only need four posts that are talking about different um, college-run organizations within our campus. And I only need four posts about an upcoming event, which is probably yeah. pretty easy because campus yeah. events are just, you know, <laughs> they're happening yeah. every night, it feels like. So it makes it a little less intimidating. And then we say from there, all right, now my energy levels and what's realistic for our, our organization should we just be showing up for the time being on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok? Maybe that's the only places that we have the bandwidth. And maybe from there we say, all right, well, we do also offer a master's program. And we know those people are most likely going to be on LinkedIn that are going to be coming to our master's right. of management program or our MBA program. So then maybe we have some content built separately and we focus just MBA stuff <laughs> on LinkedIn, right? Like yeah. you kind of have to 
be strategic about it. Not kind of, you do have to be strategic about it, especially <laughs> if you are working with those limited resources. Um, because again, you can't be all things to all people. Pick a few, set a goal for posting, develop your content categories, and take some time to look at the data of like who is hanging out on these platforms. Like if you're trying to reach like that, the TikTokers, <laughs> then you maybe, you know, that that age or demographic, if that's the majority of people that you're trying to reach, maybe you do need to be on TikTok. But if you're an MBA program, it's likely that the you need to be utilizing the majority of your resources on LinkedIn or maybe on Facebook or Instagram and maybe not so much on TikTok. I'm not saying those people aren't on TikTok at all. I'm just saying the majority of them are probably yeah. on those other platforms. <laughs> I love, I like, I love scrolling through reels and TikToks, and, but I especially, and I especially love the ones of like millennials trying to act like Gen Z, uh, like in the workplace. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, not you showing up late to this meeting. Or it's like, I texted my <laughs> wife today. I texted her something um, about our bank account. And I was like, not you like depositing money into our bank account. And I was like, did I do that right? <laughs> Yeah. Is that what the kids are saying these yeah. days? <laughs> I know my husband and I, they have this giant vintage market, uh, downtown Raleigh this weekend. And my husband and I walk in and he goes, I think we are the oldest people here. Like all of these kids are just dressed like Gen Z and they're in the corner making TikToks, wearing their like vintage Red Wings shirt. He's like, they don't even know who played on that team then. <laughs> like, I, know. I bet if I asked them who Brett Hall was, they wouldn't know who that is. I'm like, oh, okay, honey. Totally. <laughs> let's, let's get our sweatshirt and get out of here. <laughs> we, my wife and I like to go, when we go on dates, we like to look around and see who we think is on their first date. Uh, <laughs> and it's like the, the young, like young kids. Cause it's like, they're super into each other and they're like, they don't, there's no pause in the conversation to really like, yeah, definitely. For yeah. Sure. They're, they're talking about like what their favorite muffin is or something. <laughs> Best coffee shop in Metro Detroit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quick break here to drop in on a part of our conversation that happened after we were done recording this actual episode. We were just kind of shooting the breeze after and got on the subject of the importance of your college using its own B-roll versus using stock footage. So here is that part of our conversation almost every school that I've encountered is like hurting for their own B-roll, um, you know, yeah. of uh, uh, footage that they can put in, in ads and different video content because they're just using stock footage and they're tired of using stock footage. And, um, yes. you know, we so should have talked about that too. <laughs> Episode. I'm like, guys, this B-roll looks nothing like your classroom looks like, or <laughs> it looks nothing like your campus looks like, like there's palm trees. And LSUA does not have palm trees. It is in rural right. central Louisiana. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> we gotta, we gotta, we gotta fix that. <laughs> yeah, I. The, it's it's a whole. It's like a dividing line. Schools that use stock footage and then have their own, uh, their own uh, commercial level footage. It's just. I feel like it's just like two different. Once you get your own footage, it's just like you are in the big leagues finally. Yes. Because <laughs> it's just like it's so it's so good to have stuff at the ready of your of your students, of your professors, like all the programs, just something. You can even pull still images from those to use in ads and stuff like that. It's just super helpful. And yeah, way more authentic than yeah, palm trees in a in a you know, like Alaska yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> 
If you listen to this podcast much, you've heard about our storytelling subscriptions and the iciest icing on the cake is that we're filming all year long stuff of your school, your students, your professors, your programs. Uh, and then in addition to all the other deliverables in the subscription, all the polished videos and stuff that you're going to get, uh, we're going to give you all the footage that we shot all that b-roll to use however else you want you can put it in ads whatever pull still images from it even uh and and put it on billboards whatever uh so while there are times when stock footage is helpful uh the majority of time you'll have no need for it uh okay so that's my plug and back to my actual com my intended conversation with hannah um cool well i want to switch gears and talk about uh why not i guess so like with with paid with paid content, algorithms maybe don't come into play as much. Um, but maybe let's talk about best practices for some different platforms. So let's start with Facebook. What what advice uh, would you give for best practices for Facebook for for colleges? Yeah, that's a great question. It it varies so much, and I always just have to chuckle um, when I see. The kids are definitely not saying chuckle, by the way. <laughs> um, but I always have to laugh um, whenever I see someone who claims to be an expert on the algorithm. The algorithm is not managed by a specific person, per se. You know, it's evolving. Name's not Al. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's named the <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not. And, and it is so custom per person, right? Facebook knows, I mean, if anyone watched The Social Dilemma, you probably were enlightened about the social media world. Yeah. They know how much time you spend hovering over an ad, even if you never interact with it, even if you didn't even click on the picture and zoom in. They, they're studying that and they're serving you content hence your explore page on Instagram, or hence anything that pops up when you open TikTok, they're studying what you're watching and what you're interested in. And so the algorithm is really individually based, right? Of course, there are things that we can do on Facebook and Instagram and all the platforms, which I'll get into, um, that can help us show up more so in the algorithm for that target audience. But, um, one of the things on Facebook that I would say best practice is to be consistent. And I kind of touched on this just a moment ago, so I won't go down this rabbit hole again. But again, thinking about who am I creating content for and the person on Facebook in the college example might be the parent. It may not be the student. Right. So how can I be intentional about creating content about our college, our university, our programs, our student life here that is suited for the parent? Because I know that the student is probably more likely on Instagram or Facebook. So being intentional about building content for the person that is hanging out on that platform and then doing so consistently. Now, Facebook business suite. In here, it will tell you um, best times to post based on people that follow your page so that you can maximize um, the, the best organic reach or engagement. Um, and there's a lot of 
research out there that's like 2.45 p.m. on Thursdays is the best time to post. Okay, well, that might be very generally and broadly speaking, but to know specifically a little bit more about your audience, I would recommend going into Business Suite and looking at um, what times it suggests for you to post so that you can be intentional about speaking to your people, not just this broad, yeah. these broad suggestions that other people give you. So utilize those tools um, and definitely schedule content. For sure. <laughs> the, the more you can schedule, I feel like it just takes the pressure off too. We usually work about a month in advance with all of our clients, whether they're college, university, or business, or entrepreneur, whoever. We're always working a month out in advance. Because we know that things are going to come up here and there. And that can just be the icing on the cake. But it can be comforting to know, hey, I at least have something going out every day this week. Or I at least have something going out on Monday, Wednesday, Friday that falls into my content categories. So yeah. utilize those resources within Facebook Business Suite. Take advantage of scheduling. Um, and just really be consistent and, and messaging your content for the person that's actually on that platform. Yeah. And for, for like, I think it's super overwhelming to try to guess what time, you know, people are going to be checking their <laughs> Facebooks or whatever. It's like timing the stock market, yes. you know, um, I, yes. I've been using, uh, and I've mentioned this in previous episodes, I've been using Seenly, um, uh, for, for scheduling. Okay. And it's like a, it, they use AI to like, examine your audience and then figure out and it'll just automatically post it at the best most optimal time for your audience and it'll take into account like all the other content that you have scheduled so it's not like competing um for me i'm just like all right yeah do i'd rather a robot just do it than try, yes. <laughs> try to like a b test different times of day and uh. <laughs> yeah i know it it can just be stressful and then it's like okay wait so last Friday I posted at 4.30 and that post got 30 likes. But then this week I posted at 4.30 on a Friday and it got one like. You can't attribute all of that to strictly the time that you're posting. It's the yeah. type of content. Was it video versus a still image? Was it pushing them to the blog to read more? Or was it about a specific program that maybe no one's interested in? <laughs> you know, there's so many different <laughs> variables that impact our organic content too. Um, it's not all just about worrying and stressing about the times. Um, yeah. The right things will will catch on <laughs> over sure. time if you're consistent. <laughs> cool. So tell me about uh, Instagram. Uh, best best yes. So yes, um, utilizing reels, which I know I feel like probably everyone is saying that, but utilizing reels and selecting sounds that are trending. So um, some people I see make, making the mistake right now on Instagram where they're doing a voiceover which is great. They're doing a day in the life of a student or um, they're talking in depth about an upcoming event that's happening at their, at their school and they're doing a voiceover. But what you need to do is in addition to that voiceover, add some trending music into the background. You can find out what sounds are trending on Instagram because you're going to see a little squiggle upward arrow in the bottom left-hand corner. And that will tell you that that sound is currently trending on Instagram. And there are hundreds of thousands of trending mm -hmm. um, templates and sounds. Um, but 
the trick is if you are like, well, I really don't want that music playing in the background that's distracting from my voiceover, you can actually turn it all the way down, but then your reel will still show up in the feed as having that trending sound and not just your voiceover. Um, So that's a little bit of a hack. And you can check out our Ugly Mug Marketing um, Instagram reel page um, at Ugly Mug Marketing if you want to see what that looks like because it's kind of hard to explain (laughs) here. (laughs) But essentially, it's just still that voiceover, the sounds in the background, but it's muted, but it'll still appear in the feed as if it has that trending sound playing, um, which can be really helpful for getting your message out um, to your audience and getting as much reach as possible. So um, definitely a good recommendation there. And for reels, they don't have to be professionally produced either. Um, Our iPhones are wildly capable of creating video work that looks as if it was professionally produced, right? Right. We have iPhones that can shoot in 4K now and have cinematic mode where it will blur out the background. And it's it's really fun to play around with. Um, And so making it a point to utilize reels and those trending sounds um, would definitely be a big tip for me on Instagram. Perfect. Um, All right, uh, LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn. So I mentioned this just a few moments ago too. Again, the audience speaking to who is there. Um, MBA programs, I feel like they're rampant. (laughs) I get so many (laughs) DMs or um, automated messages for paid advertisements uh, for MBA programs. I'm sure you get them as well. Or do our advanced digital marketing certification, you know? Um, But that People know that that's where their target audience is hanging out. And um, if I felt like I needed to do one of those certifications or wanted to go back to school, um, then I probably would be, I would be clicking on those because they're available. They're right there. They are programs that I would be interested in um, if I wanted to continue on in school. Uh, But I would say focus the majority of your efforts if you have those higher ed or not higher ed, excuse me, master's programs, additional certifications. That's who needs to be really spending their time with updates on LinkedIn. You may also consider that there are parents that are probably hanging around on LinkedIn as well. So still including some of that student life, those accolades uh, for your college. Hey, just made it onto the best top 10 schools in Michigan or top 10 schools in Louisiana or top 10 schools in North Carolina or in the country or whatever it may be. Still want to share that content there as well. Um, And then being consistent. Um, Again, consistency across any platform is key. Make sure you're showing up for your people at least three times a week um, and make sure that your last post is not from 2012. (laughs) If your last post is from 2012, you probably don't need to be hanging out there anyway because you don't have the bandwidth. (laughs) Right, for sure. Um, No, that's really good. So Twitter would be the next one. And Twitter for me is, um, I'm I'm confused about it because, I mean, I I had Twitter in like 2008. Me too. (laughs) 
on a previous episode, <laughs> I was talking about how like I there's a picture of me, um, like my profile picture on my old Twitter account is me with like a faux hawk and like big plugs in my ears and a lip ring. And I was like super cool looking, and I and I can't get into my Twitter account to like take it down. <laughs> and so it's just there. <laughs> yeah, it's just, like I have not touched Twitter, and it was before I had like one password to keep t- track of all my passwords. So I've been like every year I go on try to guess my password from back then, <laughs> try to take down. And they're my- like. They're like, he's still trying. Yeah. <laughs> so who is, who is on Twitter? Because I think like Facebook, it's like, yeah, parents. That makes sense. Instagram, younger people, LinkedIn, professionals. Twitter is kind of like a maybe a catch-all, but maybe not. You tell me. Yeah. You know, when it comes to the higher ed space, I my perspective is that the people that are on Twitter are either like finance experts or people that are very interested in the finance world or potentially your finance program. And so maybe we need to be hanging out there because they're probably going there and keeping up with the stock market Mm. and keeping up with all of that, like that world, like that industry very much is active on Twitter. And so um, if we have a program that goes along with that or is adjacent to that, then maybe I need to be hanging out there too, because it's likely my students or my prospective students are also spending their time there. Um, My other take on Twitter is that student athletes (laughs) are on Twitter um, or a lot of sports oh, yeah. writers and a lot of athletes in general are hanging out on Twitter. And so again, if our basketball team or our athletic department can have a presence on Twitter, I find that to be um, of value too in the higher ed space. Beyond that, I'm also confused about Twitter. We have very, we don't have, we have one client <laughs> who actively posts on Twitter. Um, And they are an economic development group. And so a lot of what they're tweeting um, has to do with the region that they're serving, new businesses and organizations coming to the region, an interesting Wall Street Journal article about, you know, the growing manufacturing world in rural communities, you know, things like that. And so um, that's that's very much my perspective on Twitter. I think it's reserved for kind of that finance industry or maybe specific programs, um, or industries that that our college either feeds students or interns into, um, and then also the student athlete. That's cool. that's my take cool. on it. I wish I could speak more to it, but <laughs> I'm also trying to log into my old Twitter account. I don't know what I don't know how to get into her. <laughs> I can still see my old Twitter like feed or whatever because like you can see like the public facing you know feed and i'm like it's so cringy what i used to post about it's just like i would have a be having a bad day and post some like cryptic tweet about something depressing or like (laughs) or just like a blink 182 lyric i don't know (laughs) like like what was i doing (laughs) yeah oh my gosh um, and like lots of food that was like back when like you, you had to take a picture of whatever you're eating for lunch. <laughs> yes. It was requirement phone eight first. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, lastly in this, in this, uh, section of the episode, tell me about TikTok and what, how should schools be looking at TikTok? Yeah, I think TikTok is really where we can engage our current students um, and keeping them excited about what's happening on campus and keeping them informed. 
But that also is a huge opportunity to attract students who are currently in that college searching process because they see that and they're like, um, number one, that looks super fun. I want to be a part of that. Or number two, yes, I'm interested in that program. I can really relate to that student that they're featuring here. Um, and so I think TikTok is definitely a place that we need to be for those undergraduate programs. Um, it is it is key to connecting with that you know, 16, 17, 18 year old demographic at this day and age. Um, but it's also important for staying connected with our freshmen and sophomore students um, who are still maybe finding their way on campus and trying to um, maybe your college or university is massive and there's like 10 to 30 programs that are happening every single night. Um, so just keeping our students and current students informed as well. Um, so definitely need to be on TikTok. Um, and again, trending sounds, all of that, you can, you can navigate all of that within the, the TikTok app does not have to be professionally produced. Um, I find that some of the most popular <laughs> TikToks that I get sent um, or the things that perform the best feel more organic. Mm -hmm. They feel yeah. more natural. They feel like they're really following that student a day in the life or they feel like they really are getting um, an experience of what a campus tour is like from a, from a prospective student's perspective. <laughs> um, that felt like... But but that's my take on TikTok. Definitely want to be hanging out there, posting content, cross-posting content when you can onto um, Instagram too. Um, you don't have to be reinventing the wheel on all of these. There's a lot of cross-posting that can be happening. Um, it can also be happening with your email marketing strategy as well, um, pushing people to these different platforms to to watch more of a video or see more behind the scenes, um, inviting them to come and follow you. Um, we want to make sure we're we're connecting the dots there as well. Yeah, a lot of crossover with TikTok and Instagram, especially with the reels. Um, I yeah. I find the millennials um, uh, are maybe more more likely to watch TikToks on reels. They're like the re the, they're like the re replays. Yes. <laughs> I, pr yes. I prefer I prefer reels because the the algorithm on TikTok for me is just really weird. I get like dumb stuff that's like not funny at all, and I want I want to like laugh. So like yeah. but like I feel like Instagram knows me better. Yeah. They just <laughs> get, me. <laughs> yeah, they get me. <laughs> um, yeah, that's funny. So then, can you give us some? Tell me about like any case studies of successful campaigns you've had. Um, could be colleges. Doesn't have to be college. Um, just tell, tell us some wins. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say CLTCC, um, who I mentioned earlier, that just continues to be a win for us. Um, typically they are someone who is, they, they have a budget, right? <laughs> and yeah. so when grant money is available, um, that is when they come to us and they say, hey, we have grant money to promote manufacturing. Can you help us put together a paid strategy for generating leads for manufacturing? Um, I would say that 
those are some of our most successful campaigns is when we partner with them and really focus on lead generation because their team is so in rhythm with us on, hey, the lead comes in, they follow up promptly, they have a good system and process on their end. Um, I'm going to totally biff total amount of leads that we've generated for them if I even attempt to guess <laughs> that right now. But it is fascinating you know, if we if we put $500, for example, behind a manufacturing ad, um, we can generate leads anywhere from, I would say, $4 a lead to $12 a lead, which is a big gap in range, but it really depends on are we targeting 10 parish region or are we only focusing on just like one smaller parish that we're trying to like get some more students from? Um, so that can vary when we're looking at results, but I just feel like that has been so successful in that flow of lead comes in, added to spreadsheet, admissions representative calls, follows up with an email, makes another attempt if they're not able to connect with them, um, is able to connect then with the student and then um, I would have to go and look at percentage rates of like students actually moving on from that conversation to application um, yeah. from there, because again, those are those metrics that matter, right? <laughs> I'm yeah. not, what I love about Ugly Mug Marketing and one of the reasons that I wanted to, to come here is our whole thing is results. Like if we're not getting you results, <laughs> we yeah. are not doing our job. Like I am not here to preach reach and brand awareness. And that's just not what we're in the business of. And I call those vanity metrics. For those sure. are things that people tell you to like make you feel better, but you really don't even know the value or the true meaning behind a hundred thousand impressions if you didn't really get an applicant from your campaign, right? So with this method of utilizing those paid lead ad campaigns, even with just $500 a month, um, and being able to generate anywhere from, I would say on the low end, like 50 leads a month up to like 150 leads a month, wow. depending on, you know, again, targeting and um, program. some programs are just more popular than others. And this we know to be true, right? We always get way more students interested in nursing than we get interested in manufacturing or um, they also offer a program that um, helps uh, with, they're working with like, it's like a partnership with uh, Amazon or AWS or something like that. Okay. Um, and just people aren't as informed about that program. So that's one that we're trying to like, hey, we need to have our lead ads, but we also need to have some educational ads um, and some video work explaining how this program works, who it's for, how it can benefit you um, getting into this industry. If you're like, I don't even know what AWS is, or I don't, I don't know how to code, or I don't know anything about you know that world. Um, and so kind of coupling that into the strategy as well, because one really cool thing that we've done with CLTCC as well is utilize some of those videos that they have um, and then gone in and created custom audiences of people that watched 
50% more of the video or watched at least yeah. 95% of the video because we know that that's someone who's a little bit more of a warmer lead. Um, they're a little bit more educated. They know who we are now. <laughs> we're, we're moving them along the natural progression of someone who is a stranger and then becomes a friend and then becomes maybe an applicant or someone who becomes an actual student um, and then someone that becomes an evangelist for us. So someone yeah. who's like, ranting and raving about Aquinas College, like myself, which is probably why my brother ended up going to Aquinas College as well. <laughs> uh, but we want to make sure we're, we're moving people in that natural progression. Um, and we've done, I think, an outstanding job of doing that with CLTCC um, and their various programs and, and moving people in that prog progression of, hey, maybe I don't know about this program or I don't know about CLTCC to, hey, I know about them. I like them to, yep, I'm filling out this lead form or yes, I'm becoming a student. Um, and then someone who's going to hopefully go on and sing CLTCC's praises <laughs> to the next student. <laughs> cool. I feel like I should get a, a like I, I should work out an affiliate link with uh, Aquinas <laughs> College. <laughs> I know. I'm like the amount of times I've mentioned CLTCC and Aquinas like, College in here. I'm like... Man. <laughs> the benefits of working with Ugly Mug, they'll, they'll go on to podcasts and just sing your praises. <laughs> um, last question is, what are some of your favorite books or resources on social media marketing? I would say a couple of my favorite podcasters are um, Jenna Kutcher with the Gold Digger podcast. Really big fan of her in general. Um, and so love her podcast. She always has Phenomenal people, great bite-sized content. Um, and a good friend of hers is Amy Porterfield. Um, and so I, I love, love Amy's, podcast. yeah, Amy's podcast is so great. It's just like, even the title of it, I'm like, yes, I know exactly what I'm getting here. I know if that's for me or if that's something I want to learn more about, or if I know if I should just skip this one, <laughs> I'm not interested in that, or I already know about that. Um, those are two of my favorite, like kind of business-based podcasts. Um, as far as books go, one book that we've read as a team at Ugly Mug um, and is now a part of our training um, for new hires is the One Page Marketing Plan. Um, yeah. That really gives just like a, an awesome overview of <laughs> We laugh because we're like, we feel like the author whose name is escaping me right now. He just kind of like, Dibbs. yeah, <laughs> he just kind of like <laughs> stole from a bunch of different people, but put it all in one place. So it's a lot easier for, sure. for us. Right. Um, and so love that book. Um, and then my second favorite would probably be Know What You're For by Jeff Henderson. Um, Jeff formerly worked for... <laughs> Like I know him or something. I wish I knew him. <laughs> um, he worked for in marketing at Chick-fil-A. He also worked for the Atlanta Braves. And then he went on to pastor uh, Gwinnett Church, um, which is Gwinnett County is like one of the largest counties in the country or something, I think. Mm. Um, but while he was there, he created what was called like the four movement. So letting his whole message is letting your customers know that you're for them, right? Making yeah. your message less about you as the business or organization um, or the college in this example and letting it know, hey, we're for our families, we're for our students, we're for our student athletes um, would be kind of how he would likely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know for sure, but maybe how he would implement that in a school. But he talks about, how impactful that is 
um, when it comes to marketing. And I love it because the example he uses um, is Chubby's, which is like a swimwear, (laughs) a very trendy swimwear brand. Um, But he he talks about how like when you go to the Chubby's social media pages, you're mostly going to see photos of their actual customers wearing Chubby's products. And they're actually going to tag their customers more than you're going to see a professionally Mm -hmm. put together styled shoe, beautifully curated feed. You're going to see memes there. Like they do such a great job at showing their customers that they're for them um, by simply just sharing their images because that creates such an incredible amount of social proof too, because Now that person got featured on the page. They're probably going to go share it on their stories. They're probably going to go tell their friends. Then all of their network is going to see it and they're going to go and follow Chubbies or go and become a customer because people buy from other people, right? They don't buy from us or they don't come to our college because we said our college was so great. They come because other students or faculty members or families say that that college is so great or that they had such a great experience. Um, and so that book really speaks to all of the above. Um, and I highly recommend that book as well. Cool. Those are great recommendations. Um, so Amy Porterfield, I listened to her podcast. I always forget about it. And then I'm like, I was, then I listened to one. I'm like, why haven't I been listening to this? (laughs) What have I been doing? (laughs) Um, yeah, super good. Like her, like hers for people listening focuses kind, kind like it, it kind of from the perspective of creating an online course, but, yeah. um, even if you don't create an online course, which I don't, I, you still get a lot of value out of it. Alan Dib, uh, the one page marketing plan that book was like instrumental for me. I let, when I left the previous video production company, I was a creative director for, for over a decade. And I started unveiled, um, I read that book and I was like, uh, that's what like got me into higher ed was because of the, I think the chapter on, um, you know, niching down and, and yeah. like getting real specific about who you're talking to and not just being like, a, an, uh, you know, one-stop shop kind of company for, for every, any kind of anyone that wants it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, good stuff. Um, okay. Awesome. Well, this has been a joy to talk to you. Um, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciated having you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute blast. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Definitely go connect with Hannah if you have questions or need guidance on your social media strategy. You can go to their website at uglymugmarketing.com. Three things I want to give you before you go. Number one, look, student alumni success stories are one key way to win on social media. I didn't make that up. Hannah said it. Don't look at me. However, it just so happens that at Unveiled, we make that process easy with our video storytelling subscriptions. Get one new commercial level student or alumni story drop in your inbox on the first of every month, plus two different cut downs for social media, a 30 second and a 15 second, and then eight topical videos that we've repurposed from the interview content. Uh, And what that means is, you know, remember how Hannah talked about having the student make the ad of themselves or showing you a day in their life, the the student being the one kind of selling the school or something like that. It's coming from their perspective. Well, we're going to work with you uh, and your team to come up with what are eight or 10 things that you'd like this student to talk about while we have them on camera. So we'll just, we can ask them whatever we want. Um, Scholarships, career development opportunities, how great the professors are, small class sizes, whatever those talking points are that fit into your school's messaging strategy. We'll have the students speak on those topics and basically sell them for you. That's what those eight topical videos are about. And I did flunk advanced algebra twice 
in a row in high school. So I may not be the best example of a math wizard, but I can tell you that eight topical videos plus two cutdowns plus one full length story equals 12. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. 11. Uh, <laughs> 11. <vi> <laughs> wow, it's really, it's early guys. 11 videos per month for 12 months. I will get this right. It's 132 videos for the year with this subscription. And all of that interview and B-roll content is 100% yours to keep as part of your subscription. No restrictions, so you can make it rain content all year long, forever and ever, without having to manage a million video projects. If you want pricing, go to pricing.unveiled.tv and download our pricing guide. It's got all the information you'd ever need uh, in there. Uh, number two, if you want to take the storytelling you're already doing to the next level, I have a free resource for you. It's a three-part framework for creating compelling student and alumni testimonials. You can go get it at unveiled.tv slash student testimonials doesn't even have to be for videos. Put the framework to use in any format in which you tell student outcome stories. Number three, leave a review for this podcast. Uh, I would love it so much. Helps us out a ton. Thanks so much for listening. My name is John Azoni. Go and connect with me on LinkedIn. And in the meantime, we'll catch you on the next episode of the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast. Thanks. Thanks.